1: To pursue my selfish end And I confess I need you to revive me With selfishness behind me And take up my cross again
0: God bless you. God bless each and every one of you that are listening to Reaching Out Radio, whatever time you happen to be listening to. This is your Sister Pearl, In the Word with Sister Pearl. Hold on. Let me just take a drink of water for a quick second. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Something was caught in my throat. But this message that I'm going to share tonight is something that I'm sure the enemy does not want me to share, but by the grace of God, uh, he's going to help me to do that. This is not about your sister Pearl. It's not about any one of us. It's just about God, his word, and how important it is for us to really humble ourselves, especially in the day and the time that you and I are living in. We are so blessed of God, and I just want to welcome you wherever you happen to be listening to, uh, wherever you happen to be listening from, I should say, uh, from the four corners of the earth. I just thank God for you. Thank God for all of the different continents that are listening in, the different nations within those continents. We just bless you in the name that's above every other name. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time. Uh, with the um, just introduction tonight, I just want to get straight into the word of God because God's really put a a message on my heart for me, for you, for all of us, every last one of us, no matter where you come from, no matter what your ethnicity is, your culture is, what I'm going to speak on tonight covers all of us because we have all sinned against God who is holy, and even though God is full of love and full of mercy, long-suffering, very forgiving, very compassionate, uh, very patient, sometimes there's some things that we have to do, and one of those things, pent before God, repent before the Lord and be sorry for those things that grieve his Holy Spirit, those things that he is not happy with, those things that uh, make him sad, those things that distance us from him. So what I'm going to be talking about tonight is genuine repentance. We know that a lot of times when I say genuine, I'm talking about a real, true repentance, the kind of repentance that God can take seriously. Not just saying I'm sorry for something so that we can get God to give us something. I often call that jailhouse religion. And what does jailhouse religion mean? It means, oh, God, I'm so sorry I got caught and now I'm in trouble. I want you to please get me out of trouble so that I can get out of jail. I want to be um, losing my freedom. I want to be, you know, able to do as I was able to do before I was jailed. I want to be free to go and come as I want, call who I want, when I want, speak to who I want, how I want. I don't want any kind of infringement on me. So oftentimes when a person is in jail, not all the time, but oftentimes a person goes to what we call um, jailhouse religion. So they just want God while they're in jail. But for those that are only touched by God for the mere reason of just getting out and getting into their freedom, then most of those people will go back into doing the same old thing that they did before and forget all about God. So that's what I call jailhouse religion. Thank God there are tremendous men and women of God that God has Purely, genuinely saved and transformed changed the very trajectory of their lives while in jail, while in prison. And when they, you know, even in jail, their cellmates can see a marked change, a great turnaround. Why? Because they were genuinely transformed by the power of God. And so they began to live for God even in the jail. And then when they come out of jail, they continue to live for God. So they do not follow the pattern of jailhouse religion. Their experience with God is legitimate, it's true, and it lasts. So you see the difference between jailhouse religion and the true uh, relationship with Jesus Christ that can be uh, had inside a jail or outside of a jail. There are so many people that have never gone into jail and will never go to jail. And yet, they too experience jailhouse religion. So in other words, they're not in the jail. They don't go, they're not incarcerated. They're not put behind bars, but they find themselves in a serious situation. Even though they're living in the free world, they're in a serious situation. They get in trouble because of their own doing most of the time. And then they too want God to get them out of that situation, you know, maybe they're going, they're, they're going to be murdered, and they say, oh, God, I'm so sorry I got into this. Please forgive me. Uh, don't let the people kill me. And then God forgives them, and then God protects them from being killed, but then they go back into their same old lifestyle. Again, even though they were never incarcerated They were never put behind bars. But, again, we use this idiom in English and call it that they experienced jailhouse religion. So they just wanted God to get them out of a tight situation, and then they forgot all about God once he answered their prayers and delivered them from that horrible situation. You and I don't want that kind of an experience. We want an experience with God that is real, that last, that is genuine, that can pass the test of time so that when we're happy, when we're sad, when things are going good, when things are not going well, we are repentant before God and we have a real vital relationship with, with the Lord that does not change depending on the circumstance that we might have, happen to be experiencing. So why don't I just open up this time in a word of prayer so that God will bless me as I present the word that he's put on my heart, that God will bless you to be able to receive the word and to be able to apply that word. This is very important. It's talking about genuine repentance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you love us. No matter what we do, no matter who we are, you love us, and nothing changes the fact you love the people that you have created. You don't love the evil that we do. You don't agree with the evil that we do. The evil that we do and the sins we commit separate us from you, and you don't like anything that separates us from you. And, Lord, I don't want us to be separated from you. I don't want those that are listening to Reaching Out Radio International around the globe, I don't want any man, any woman, any boy, any girl to be in a position where their sin separates them from you. I want that each one listening will be brought into a beautiful, vibrant, real, genuine experience with the living God. Thank you, Lord, for this um, radio station, Reaching Out Radio International. Thank you for Evangelist Montel that you gave the heart and the vision to have this program and have this broadcast, Lord God. Thank you that I have been blessed to be able to minister in this program called In the Word with Sister Pearl. I pray that at the end of the day that you will be satisfied and more than satisfied that you will be pleased, that you will receive honor, that you will receive glory, that you will receive praise out of everything that comes out of my mouth tonight in this next little bit less than one hour that we're going to share with the listening audience. Lord God, let it bless the people. Let it be a word that can transform them from going in the wrong direction and turn them to go in the right direction, which is towards you and towards heaven. We thank you, Lord God. We come against all distraction. We come against everything that would try to hinder the word of God from going forth on good ground. Bless the people and make them a blessing. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen and amen. So again, the word that God has placed on my heart for us tonight is genuine Repentance. That means legitimate, real repentance. You know, a lot of times people will say, I'm sorry, and you know they're not sorry. They're not sorry in the least, and they continue to do the same thing, or they continue to hurt you. Maybe sometimes they even hurt you even more than the first time or the second time because there was never any true repentance. I'm going to start out by reading from Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you. Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Yeshua HaMashiach. He is the only true one that God the Father sent. You know, often people, especially those with large followings or people who are prominent or famous in the public eye, you know, when they come out to confess sin, Nine out of ten times they do this because they were caught. However, being caught or found out in a sin is not the same as genuine repentance. When one is genuinely repentant, they will not be able to live under the burden or the weight of his or her sin. It becomes too much too difficult and bothersome for them to bear. Unconfessed sin distances us from God. You remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Well, they knew they had sinned. And instead of coming closer to God to confess and plead for the Lord's forgiveness, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. See, that's not genuine repentance. That's trying to cover over their sin in hoping that God does not see it. I want to talk tonight about two main things. Perhaps the biggest obstacle, the biggest obstacle that I know, or the biggest stumbling block in the way of genuine repentance or the ability to acknowledge sin in our lives is because of the sin of pride. When I am proud, I do not want to acknowledge that I've done wrong. When I am prideful, I want to think that you are the guilty one, not me. The Bible tells us in Second Chronicles chapter 7, This is a portion of scripture that we hear often, but I want to take my time and read it in context. Verses 12, 12 through 15. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven, And there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place there's a few things i would like us to take a look at in the portion of scripture that i just read second chronicles chapter 7 12 through 15. the lord said to his people israel as he appeared to Solomon by night. And he told, this was something that God spoke to King Solomon. Of course, Solomon eventually shared it with the people. But God spoke to Solomon. He said, I've heard your prayer. And I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. But I want you to hear what God says in verse 13. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain. It doesn't say when the devil shuts up heaven and the devil caused there to be a drought. It said when I, meaning God, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locust to devour the land. That's talking about God commanding the locust to devour the land or send, or when I said pestilence, Not among the strangers, but among my people. Wow. So, what are you saying, Sister Pearl? Well, Sister Pearl is not really saying anything. Sister Pearl is just reading from the Holy Scriptures. I just read verse 13 of Second Chronicles chapter 7. Now I'm going to read it a third time. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or commend, command the locust to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. He's talking about the people of Israel. Then he says in verse 14, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. But not just humble themselves and pray. But seek my face, not just my hand, because oftentimes you and I are pretty good at seeking the hand of God. And by that I mean we're good at asking God to give us things, material blessings or other kind of blessings, blessings uh, to bless our family, to bless us with the right spouse, to bless us with the right job to show us where we should move. Now, these are all fine and good, and we should be seeking the Lord for all of these things as and when necessary. However, he said that if you would seek my face, meaning that, Lord, I want to seek you not only when I need you to give me something, which is seeking your hand, wanting a handout from God, which is not wrong. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying it's more important to seek his face first and above seeking his hand. Because he said, my face. Meaning, Lord, I want to look at you. I want to see what makes you happy. I want to know what makes you sad. And I want to make sure that I'm not doing anything to make you sad, to grieve your Holy Spirit. I want to see your face. I want to look into your eyes, Lord God. And I want to turn wicked ways. That's repentance. It means turning. So if I were going down Avenue Z, I was in M, in Avenue M, and I'm walking, walking towards Avenue Z, and I repent, it means I make a 180-degree turn, and then I am no longer pursuing the path of going down to Avenue Z, but now I've turned and I'm going toward Avenue A, completely different direction. And that's what repent means. It means to turn from doing what is wicked to do what is right before God. Then let me finish reading a the end portion of verse 15. Then God says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. There's another portion of scripture that says in Psalm, I believe it's 66 verse 18, that if I regard iniquity, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Wow. So that's the opposite of what I just said from Second Chronicles 7 and 14. Because Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, or if I kept sin in my heart, held on to sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Now, I want God to be able to listen to my prayer. Amen? We all want God to listen to our prayer. But we've got to come before God with a repentant heart. We cannot come to God with obstinate, you know, hard, stubborn hearts, unrepented unregenerated, not sorry for how we've grieved God, and think that God is going to bless us. There is a need for individual and then corporate repentance. Let's first talk about what individual personal repentance looks like. Repentance, what does that word even really mean? Repentance is looking closely. Examining one's actions and feeling contrite, regretful, feeling sorrowful for past wrongs, which is accompanied by commitment to and actual actions that show and prove a change for the better. Now, that's what repentance looks like. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change in actions. And this change involves both a turning from sin and a turning to God. Let me repeat that again. What is repentance? It is a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to change actions. This change involves both a turning away from sin Turning to or towards God. Let me tell you about what many of us call the five R's in English of sin. Recognition of sin. I'm talking about personal, individual repentance. So for me to be repentant of my sin, we're talking about me, Pearl, my sin, I have to recognize my sin. I have to have a recognition of my own sin. Then there should be a remorse for sin. The third R is there should be a resolve over sin. The fourth R is there should be reformation from sin. And finally, the fifth R is is there should be restitution made for sin that I had been involved in. So let's just go over those definitions. Recognition, number one. Because if I'm going to be truly repentant, I've got to have a recognition of my sin. So recognition means to be able to acknowledge. There should be an acknowledgment Of my sin, or an acknowledgement of your sin, an acknowledgement of someone or something's existence. So if I say I recognize you, that means I recognize that you are there. You ever been in a room and uh, you know the people there, but they act like they don't know you? They did not recognize you. Of course, they saw you but they made made no mention of you. They did not acknowledge your presence. That's not a good thing. But when we sin before God and we really want to repent and turn from our sin, we've got to first be able to recognize that, wow, I sinned. And I, I acknowledge that I've sinned. I accept and I'm aware of the fact that I sinned against God and against this person. I admit that I've sinned. So that's what recognition of sin means. If we don't recognize that we've sinned, then we can't really repent. Because I only can repent of something that I understand that I was guilty of doing in the first place. I acknowledge my sin. So that's what it means by the recognition of sin. Then remorse. If I'm truly repentant, I need to be remorseful over my sin. Remorse means deep regret or guilt for a wrong, a feeling of sadness and being sorry for the wrong done. Not just, you know, oh, yeah, I did something wrong so just forgive me, that's not repentance. No. There is no remorse in that. There's no deep regret. There's no sense of guilt for the wrong that you committed, for the wrong that I committed. There's no sadness. There's no sorrow for how I wounded someone else. Resolve. That's the third R. If I'm truly repentant, then I need to resolve over sin. What does that mean? I need to settle or find a solution to, have a firm determination to do something about what I did wrong. I need to do something about the situation. Now, some things, if I hit somebody, and I caused them to have a wound and then they have a mark, even though that they got stitched up, they're going to have that mark for the rest of their lives, most likely. So I cannot undo or take back that mark that I caused them to have because I inflicted them, wounded them, and then there it was. But I should be willing to find a solution. And I should seek out I should be determined to do something about the situation, settle, or find a solution to it, not just leave them there with the wound the way you took it. That is not repentance. That is not sorrow over sin. Then reformation from sin. Reformation from sin means the act of changing to a better state or character. In other words, making an improvement or changing one's actions, changing one's behavior. So if I'm really repentant, then I'm going to reform. I'm not going to continue to act in the wrong way that I was acting. I'm not going to continue if I was a thief and I'm repentant over stealing, then I will no longer continue to steal. I will stop stealing. I will stop robbing. There will be an act of changing to a better state of behavior. I will no longer take something that does not belong to me, but I will bless. And even Zacchaeus, the short tax collector in the New Testament, he said, whatever I have taken, which he knew he was stealing. He knew he was doing wrong, but he truly repented. He said, not only will I give back, I'll give back times what I took. So that is a clear example of reformation, an act of changing to a better state of character. Then restitution is the fifth R, restitution for sin. If I've sinned and I'm truly repentant, Restitution means the restoration of something lost or stolen to its proper owner, make reparations for damages. For instance, if somebody is a liar and calls other people up to damage an individual's reputation and they've truly repented, they will do is get on the same phone, Call up those people that they were telling all kinds of lies to, destroying someone's reputation by lying on them, and they will have to call up and say, I am so sorry. I called you up and I was lying. I'm going to now restore or try, make an attempt to restore something that was lost or stolen to its proper owner. I'm going to confess my sin of lying. I'm going to confess my sin of trying to, you know, damage your, your reputation on purpose because of the evil in my heart. And so now I'm turning from going the wrong way, and now I'm going the right way, and I'm going to make restitution. Wow. These are the signs of genuine, legitimate repentance. When we analyze, repent, person is appalled by sin. They're just disgusted their own sin. They make amends. They accept the consequences of their sin. They don't expect. And neither do they demand forgiveness. They don't. Because they're so occupied with their own sin. They're trying to make amends about what they've done wrong. They're not. When they're truly repentant, when I'm truly repentant, when you're truly repentant, I'm not about expecting and demanding forgiveness of those that I've done wrong. Person feels the depths of the pain they've caused. A repentant person changes their behavior. A repentant person grants space to the one that they wounded. They've granted them space, they give them space to heal. They don't demand audience with them and for them to let's, let's just be just the way it was before. No, they don't demand that. They're awestruck. A truly repentant person is awestruck by forgiveness. That's when we analyze repentance. That's what happens. I'm going to go over it one more time. A repentant person is appalled by sin, their own sin, other people's sins. They make a, a repentant person, the guilty one, they make amends. They accept consequences. They don't make demands. They don't expect or demand forgiveness. They feel the depth of the pain they've caused. They don't try to inflict more pain to the person that they've already wounded. They change their wrong, bad behavior. They grant space to heal. And they're awestruck by forgiveness from those who they've offended. Is confession and repentance the same? No. Why do I say that? Well, sometimes people are willing to confess the evil deeds they do. Sometimes they even brag about it, actually. Yeah, I did that. Yep, I said that. And what about it? (laughs) That's the attitude of a non-repentant individual. And what about it? Yes. She said that, he said that. So, they're not willing to turn away from doing the evil deeds that they commit. So, confession is not the same. A man or woman could be in an adulterous relationship and they might even admit to and confess that they have committed adultery or a person that's not married will admit and confess that they have fornicated, had sex with people that they're not married to. But are they repentant over it? Too many times they're not repentant. They brag. (laughs) They brag on the conquest. Oh, yeah. I was with so-and-so and and we did so-and-so. That's not repentance. That's confession. So even for those of you that go to the confessional box, if you're Catholic, and you confess your sins to the priest, the question is, have you confessed before God? Because the priest himself is not God. You might listen to your confession, but at the end of the day, now that you've confessed, have you repented? Have you turned away from doing that sin or those sins? Because confession is not synonymous with repentance. What does national, I talked a lot about personal repentance. And I know that when I have done wrong, I, I can't sleep good. I, I can't, I'm not comfortable. I can't eat good. I can't sleep good. And I thank God that he has kept me like that because then this way I can be quick to repent. I will call up the individual. I will go to the individual if I've done something wrong to a person or to people. And I will say, I am so very sorry. But there's some people that cannot do that. All they can do is inflict pain, and then there's no sorrow. There's no forgiveness. But they demand that everything be the same, even though there is no even slight resemblance of repentance or turning or changing but they actually brag and are totally unrepentant of what they do. This does not please the Father's heart. And I dare say this, how can we say that we love God and we can do these things knowingly to the people that he loves and created? There's something very, very wrong with that and there's no no remorse no genuine repentance you know we're in a very precarious situation right now i'm speaking to you from the united states of america we all know what just happened with israel october the 7th and sad to say the war continues today is october the 29th that i am broadcasting and the war continues, the fighting continues, the slaughter continues, the bombing continues, the loss of life continues, the horrible plans to destroy continue. What does national repentance look like? I was thinking about Israel, the apple of God's eye, but I was also reminded that Israel, so many times in the word of God, Israel, the people of Israel, grew far away and went far away from God as a nation. We're not talking about some of the people because we know that there are godly Israelites, godly people that love love God with all their hearts and want to honor God. Love Jesus. So many of them that know that Jesus is their Messiah. They're not looking for another. Of course, some do not know and they're lost in sin. They're just, you know, Jewish because they're born into the Jewish nation of people. And that's their ethnicity. They're Hebrews. But as a nation, Israel today, is not following God as a nation. I'm not talking about individual Israelis. I'm talking about as a nation. The nation of Israel is not following God. The nation of Israel is one of the biggest promoters of abortion. Killing babies on demand. Tel Aviv, the city of Tel Aviv in Israel, they brag. And they are taking on that we want to be known as the capital LGBTQIA plus. What does those plus mean? Does it mean pedophilia? Does it mean bisexuality? What what does the plus mean? As a nation, Israel needs to confess. As a nation, the United States of America needs to confess, needs to repent. Israel needs to repent, and we need to repent. And many nations around this world, around the globe, there needs to not just be individual, personal repentance, there needs to be national Repentance. Now, it, it, it just really threw me for a loop because recently one woman who is claiming herself to be an international intercessor, she has a whole ministry where she calls herself a general of intercessors among intercessors, and she called, for a, 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 she recently called for national prayer in America because she talked about the sleeper cells that we have in some of our major cities, and if you're not aware of sleeper cells, what that means, that means there are different pockets of terrorists that come to hide and live in some of our major cities around the nation, and they're quiet They act dormant. They're acting like they're asleep right now. They're not causing any trouble, but they're preparing themselves to cause havoc. And so they're called sleeper cells. Now, in New York City, we have sleeper cells. In some of the major cities of the nation, we have sleeper cells. And I would bet that probably some of you listening to me, Whenever you happen to be listening to, whether you're in Europe or you're in Africa or you're in Asia, I bet you that you have some sleeper cells in some of your nations as well. And so this particular intercessor that's very well known, she said, I'm calling for national prayer so that we can pray against this. We can pray against, you know, them coming across our borders or... We're praying against them causing havoc in our cities and in our land. Uh, We we pray against war coming to our shores. and, And she went on and on and on with her list of prayers and what we should be praying against. But I noticed that there was a huge component missing, and I listened twice to the video. There was a huge component missing or a huge part a very big piece that was missing from this particular intercessor leader from her national prayer call. And that was there was no mention of repentance. How are we going to pray before Almighty God and we're not willing to repent? Let's look back at Second Chronicles again. verse 14 second chronicles 7:14 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and what turn from their wicked ways now i can say as an american somebody that was born here raised here I love the fact that God allowed me to be born and raised in America, but I'll tell you one thing right now. America is in no way, shape, or form position where we can cry out to God for protection when we have not humbled ourselves and sought national repentance. As a nation, our leaders, are not crying out to God. See, when there's national repentance, the leaders of that nation will be involved. This this is what I'm talking about. There's no national repentance. Now, back in Nehemiah's time, in Nehemiah chapter 9, the word of God tells us that In Nehemiah, when you read that whole book of Nehemiah, the reading of the law by Ezra, the prophet Ezra had opened up eyes of the Hebrew children to the reality of their sins. And what happened when Ezra read the law? The people began to repent and they travailed. They were in agony because they listened to the reading of the law, and they realize how much they have gone away from following the laws of God. So they wanted to repent so that it can begin again. They separated themselves from the world around them, and they confessed their sins and the sins of their fathers, and they put away their sinful ways, and they turned back to God. Have we done that? as an American nation. No, we have not. We've not done that. If you get the opportunity, please, please read Nehemiah chapter 9. I'm going to read just a, a short portion of it. Just a, a, some verses from it. Verses 16 of Nehemiah 9. Because before The verses 1 through 15, it talks about how God had helped them when they had been in such trouble. They had been afflicted by their uh, oppressors and how God intervened and God delivered them and God did this and God did that and God gave them the law. But then they said in verse 16, but they and our fathers acted proudly. They hardened their necks and they did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey. They were not mindful of your wonders they, that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and you still did not forsake them. Even when they made a molded cap for themselves and said, this is your God that brought you out of, up, out of Egypt and worked great provocations. They provoked God Almighty. Yes, they did. Yet, God, in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. This is the kind of God that we serve, a merciful, long-suffering God. So forgiving. You did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. And also you gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Today, we see the people of Israel, the nation, as a nation, they've gathered themselves leaders that do abominable things, promoting killing babies, pre born babies, and promoting sodomy, man with man, woman with women, and they're promoting doing those things that are evil in the sight of God. Now they're even talking about taking away your free will. Where do you think we got free will from? That came from God Almighty. Now you've got people like um, people from the WF World Economic Forum and other ones talking all kind of garbage, how now we don't want people to have free will, that's a thing of the past. Of course, that's what the devil wants to do, take away your free will, of course, so that you can be slaves again to hard-taxed masters. That's what the enemy of God wants. And Israel, sad to say, has, as a nation, I'm not talking about some individual people, but turned their back on God. And so now their enemies came in and slaughtered them. It's horrific. It's horrible what has happened. And now they're slaughtering their enemies and their families and their children. It's just horrible any way you look at this. And where does it all stem from? Wicked hearts refuse to genuinely repent before God. Why do you think Pride Day In most of the cities around the globe, why do you think the Pride Days are on Sunday, held on Sundays, and always are held in the main avenues, boulevards, streets, roads? Because sinful man that is in rebellion against God, proud, and that's why they call it Pride Day. Non-repentant. And, and let me tell you what I just read, the little bit of that I read from Nehemiah chapter 9. Please take your time. Go back in your own Bibles and read the entire Nehemiah 9, even read Nehemiah 8, even read the whole book of Nehemiah to get this whole what I'm sharing with you in context, you will see how good God is always better to us than we are to ourselves. So we don't have to really plead and cut ourselves, you know, for God to hear us. We just have to be sincere with God, telling God from our hearts we're wrong. I'm going to close this out by reading From Psalm 51, this is what King David prayed to God after he was confronted with his own horrific sin where he killed, he had Bathsheba's husband who was a faithful, loyal soldier to him. But because he was lusting after the man's wife, he put him out to the front lines, got him killed, and then took his wife. Then he was confronted with his sin by the prophet Nathan. Then he was really repentant over his, look at how, what he said. This is true repentance now. Psalm 51, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sins, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. He didn't mean that he didn't sin against Uriah. Of course he sinned against Uriah and Beshkiba. But he means that my sin is so great, it's deeper than just sinning against a man or a woman. I've sinned against you, God. I've done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, and the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. The tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit, a broken, a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. I pray that you and I seriously examine ourselves. As I'm examining myself, I'm asking you to examine yourself, that we may come before him individually, personally, and then pray. Whatever nation that you are a part of, that you reside in, that you would pray to God, for national repentance. Because if we're willing to confess our sins, humble ourselves, pray and seek the face of God, God said he would forgive our sin. God said he would heal our land and he would be attentive to our prayers. May the Lord bless you May heaven shine upon you and give you rest and give you peace. This is your Sister Pearl for In the Word with Sister Pearl. Until next time, reaching out radio international, we love you, but God loves you so much more. Bye-bye.